Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Hey, good morning to our online congregation as well. We're excited to have you here this holiday weekend. We also, before I get into the heart of what God has placed in my heart for this Pentecost Sunday service and celebration, I feel it's appropriate, would be inappropriate if I didn't honor all of our brave men and women, past and present, you know, who have served our nation, protected our freedoms and our rights to gather like this, you know, to lift up the name of Jesus. So before I get underway, if anyone has served or is serving in our U.S. Armed Forces, could you just please stand? We want to give honor and want to pray a special prayer. Amen. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Remain standing, all of our brave men and women. All right. We want to bless you, and we want to say thank you. You know, the laying down of one's life is the greatest sacrifice that someone can make. And this holiday weekend, let's make sure if you see one of our soldiers in uniform, just tell them thank you for their service. If there are people that you know who have lost a loved one, you know, on the battlefield, say thank you or say a prayer for them. Lift them up. Losing a loved one uh, is, is, a, is a wound that's always there until you go to be with Jesus. And he gives the grace. I understand that. But still, when people care and let others know that we're praying for you, that goes a long way. So, Father, I thank you for these men and women represented here in this auditorium who have served our nation and served it well and those even watching online who have served our nation, Lord, we pray for them as well. We pray a special blessing. Lord, if there's anything from the battlefield that they've carried into the present, I pray that you would just bring healing and release from that through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, just let them know that your eye is upon them as well and that you love them, you care for them. So Lord, thank you for these who are represented online and also here in our auditorium at the river. We bless them and pray your grace upon them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. One more big clap of offering. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and, and if you've grown up a Pentecostal, you feel like this is like going for Mother's Day or going for Father's Day. You hear a message on the same topic. But this is important, this message. And honestly, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me. There's a lot of people that don't know the flow of authority of the Godhead, how they work in unison, and how important it is to understand each person of the Trinity. And so when we take and we look at Scripture, you'll find that God reveals Himself in three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, for many people, especially in our modern church here in, in the 21st century, and, and, and we look at, at churches, ministries, organizations, there's a lot of emphasis on God the Father, a lot of emphasis on Jesus, and there should be. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, it's like Francis Chan who wrote in his book, The Unknown God. The Holy Spirit has been forgotten. 
And I don't mean forgotten as far as demonstrations of his gifts. I mean forgotten as to the key role he plays for the Christian church and for us as believers. For instance, when Jesus walked the earth, didn't he emphasize, he was emphatic about it, that the words I speak are not my own, but the words of him who sent me. The deeds that I do are not my own, but the deeds of he who sent me. In other words, Jesus was showing himself accountable and under authority to the Father. There is an authority change of how God does things throughout the ages and yet the ages to come. God the Father is at the top. Jesus is the representation of the Father. That means every word, which Jesus is the word, we see that in, in scriptures, but every word he speaks is done in agreement and by permission of the Father, the top of the authority. And then the Holy Spirit, especially when you look at the earthly life of Jesus, 33 and one half years, three and one half years of actual ministry, the Holy Spirit was there to be accountable to and under the authority of Jesus, the Word. So all of the miracles that transpired during that three and one half year period, when God the Father instructed Jesus, remember, even it became the night before His, his, his betrayal, crucifixion, as He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours, showing that accountability. You know, that answering to the authority of God the Father. Just as Jesus answers to the Father, the Holy Spirit answers to Jesus, the Word. Remember, when you look at Scripture and how creation transpired, the Holy Spirit was there. And I'm going to get into that a little more deeper further on in this message. But He was there, and He was in a dormant stage, fully loaded, ready and armed for battle. But he was inactive until the word was given, let there be. And there was. Every stage of creation. So the Holy Spirit is accountable to Jesus, the word. Now, where does the church come into play? Just as Jesus is accountable to the Father, the Holy Spirit there to honor Jesus, the word, we have been called to honor the Holy Spirit. Do you know we can't worship without His anointing on us? Do you know you couldn't even get saved for when you came to the Lord, confessed your sin, you were born again? That couldn't even happen unless the Holy Spirit helped you. He's the one who opens people's eyes, whether for salvation, whether for a miracle, conviction of sin a new direction in their life? How many of you, when God has spoken about a new phase of life and, and something He's put on your heart, my life has been filled with that. Even before I knew that God was leading, He was leading. But then once I came into agreement and relationship with Him, everything throughout my lifetime as a Christian has been the Holy Spirit leading me every step of the way. Even when Peter, when he got out of the boat, when Jesus came walking on water, Peter says, someone says, I think that's the Lord. 
Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And then Jesus says, come. Lord, again, I don't know if I heard you right. You know, you ever have anybody ask you to step out on the water? But Peter got out of the boat. Who empowered him to walk on water? The Holy Spirit. And what was the Holy Spirit doing? Jesus was the Word made flesh. And when the Word spoke, when the Word was released, the Holy Spirit was there to honor that Word. And Peter was able to do something he could never do. He defied the laws of nature, and he walked on water as long as he had his eyes affixed on Jesus. Couldn't have ever done it had he not been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so that's where he comes into our lives. There are things God will require, ask of us. Yes, God wants to see us blessed in our lifetime. I get that. But that's not what he's all about. Lord, bless me in everything I'm about to set my hand to do. No, Father, reveal your will. Show me and then bless my faith as I believe you, as I step into the unknown. Peter stepped into the unknown. And as I speak, uh, starting next week for the entire month of June, I'll be teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Peter was actually flowing in, one of, in the gifts of, gift of miracles. There are, two, there are two manifestations of the gift of miracles, signs and wonders. That was a wonder when he defied the laws of nature and walked on water. But had the word not been given by Jesus, come. That's like speaking this word right here. He released the word and the Holy Spirit backed that word up. So we're going to learn how to flow in agreement under authority. Nobody's an island to themselves. We're the body of Christ. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 in the upper room, and every single one of them received this baptism of fire that we're going to look at today. So God wants us working as a team, no lone rangers. We don't do our own thing. God anoints us. We are the body of Christ. Last time I looked, I didn't see somebody walking here with just an arm. Whose limb is that hopping into the church this morning? The whole body walked in. And the same thing is applicable when it comes to ministry. We need each other. Some of you, maybe you've been hurt in your past and you're thinking to yourselves, I, I, I do fine on my own. No, you don't. You may think you do, but eventually there'll be a dividing line and it'll be a reality call. And so as we look at the gifts and especially the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want to be in agreement. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Amen. The way you have more of the Holy Spirit in your life is when you let Him in. That's why I say, some people might say, well, I already have all of the Holy Spirit. Well, you have His presence, but does He have all of your presence? See, that's the key. He ha we, we have Him, but does He have all of us? So... Let's take a look. How many? I'm going to be, go more from an aspect. I'm going to teach today. I might get excited because, you know, the preacher always sneaks out. But I'm going to teach. So I want everyone to turn your bulletins over. You'll see where it says notes. Write some of these things down because God's going to use you. So let's begin with what exactly is Pentecost? The Christian celebration of Pentecost, did you know that it coincides with the Jewish Feast of Weeks? which occurs 50 days after the Passover. Remember the Passover, when Moses finally had that dinner, the blood of a lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish was, was placed above the doorpost with hyssop. And then that night when the death angel came and went throughout all of Egypt, 
wherever the blood was over the doorpost. Death did not come into that household and strike down the firstborn. Not only the firstborn of human life, but the firstborn of all stock, animal life as well. So it's astounding to me how thousands of years later, but yet God orchestrates. No man could do that. Only God can do that. So the Jewish Feast of Weeks is actually an event that runs for seven weeks in total, which is 50 days. And it emphasizes seven distinct feasts each week, doing what? Commemorating Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Now, beyond that, you'll also find that Pentecost also coincides with the giving of the Ten Commandments to Moses. Do you know after they had left Egypt, 50 days later, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, that was the law of God being given to the people of God, and how God orchestrated even on Pentecost that actual historic observance that became the paradigm change of the Christian church. Exact timeline. It's astounding how God works, isn't it? Always confirming. Fifty days then afterwards, ten days beyond the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, you have this historic event which was promised the giving of the Holy Spirit to descend from heaven so he could indwell and empower two distinct purposes. Indwell and empower the Christian church. Now I'm going to teach from a different scripture that brings out what I'm trying to communicate this morning regarding Pentecost. So turn in your Bibles, you can also follow along on the screens behind me, to the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Paul says this to the church at Rome, if the Spirit of Him, the Spirit of Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So in other words, the day of Pentecost was all part of God's plan. To do what? Enable Christians to continue to do the work of Jesus. That's what Pentecost was about. It was about continuing what Jesus began. Fulfilling our destiny, which is directly connected to the calling of God for our lives. Doing what? Proclaiming the message of salvation, but not just a message that inspires people to believe, but a message that is backed up and confirmed with power. God does not want a powerless church. People will not follow a God that can't change circumstances, that can't transform lives. That's why God does signs and wonders. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are here. That's why the day of Pentecost, this baptism of fire, transpired. Why? So that just as Jesus had authority over all of the things on earth and under the earth, we also could walk in that same authority, becoming our spiritual birthright. You wouldn't have any of it if it wasn't for the born-again experience. 
when we become sons and daughters of Almighty God. Join heirs with Jesus. He's our big brother, as well as our Savior and our Lord. And He promised the same things He did, we would do, and even, even in greater intensity. So God wants His church to have power. That's what authenticates us. That's what shows the world that searches in witchcraft and all other kinds of strange religion and observances. It's what drives people even to witchcraft. I shared last week how in Hellertown Elementary School, they have an after-school satanic club for elementary age children. If churches were flowing in power, and I don't mean in a Sunday service, I mean when we the people, the body of Christ, right? When we leave this house and we step into the world knowing that we're an explosion looking for a place to happen, then we can authenticate the message of Jesus not only by the change in our lifestyles, but also when we pray, miracles happen. Literally. There's a sister in the back of the church. Cindy and I met with her years ago. It must have been over 10, maybe 15 years ago. And I, we were approached, got a phone call out of the blue. They wanted to hear about Jesus. Cindy and I met with them, led them to Christ, never saw them. Then last Sunday, she was here. She remembered because Jesus touched her life. I don't say that to put anyone on the spot, but I say that to, to emphasize this. When we give our faith away, you may not see with the natural eye what's happening, but even dec a decade or so later, you will see the fruit because that seed will always grow if it's the Word of God. If it's the Word of God. We are called to expand God's kingdom, to be instant in season, all we share. And you never know when a miracle may happen. Hallelujah. That's just our God. So the Lord has given us as believers a contagious message so that we can become, with the power of His Holy Spirit, uncontainable. How many of you want who is within you, the Holy Spirit, to be uncontainable? There's an open lid so He can burst forth at any given moment with His divine intervention, with His wisdom, with His compassion, with His love. Where would some of you be had it not been for the prayer of faith in this house or maybe other places that you have affiliated with in the past? God did a miracle because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Where would we be had it not been for the third person of the Trinity who stands ready to honor the Word of God at any given moment when we release His Word with our mouths? I see healing miracles all over this place. People that God has been faithful to. Brought open doors. Brought opportunities. Closed doors that protected them from stepping into something that could have been disastrous. God is faithful. That is what God the Holy Spirit does. He's our ever-present. How can He be ever-present? How is God all places? Because of His Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who is everywhere. Because He's uncontainable. It's within us. Wherever you go, God doesn't need the Ark, Ark of the Covenant any longer. It served a purpose, 
but it can find from the view of the people the presence of the Holy Spirit to a container. One small container in the Holy of Holies of the temple, once the temple was erected. Before that in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Now we're the tabernacle of God. Look at the person next to you. Say, you're a fine-looking temple. Say, you're a fine-looking... We are the temple of God. He lives in us. What happened when David brought the tabernacle back to Jerusalem in the inappropriate way on a cart? When someone reached up to study the tabernacle because it was about to fall off the cart, they touched it, but they weren't considered authorized and gone through the proper cleansing to be able even to come that close to the presence of God. And when this individual doing a good thing, but because of being under law, whereas we're under grace now, thank God for grace. When he touched the Ark of the Covenant, he died. We now are the Ark of the Covenant. We're God's anointed. Scripture says, touch not God's anointed. When someone would seek to do evil, against the Lord. He'll fight your battles. We are the temple. And wherever we go, we carry the Holy Spirit with us. So I wanted to lay down that brief synopsis so that then we can continue now by first looking at the Spirit of God. That's mentioned in our text where Paul says in Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of Him, Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, what does he mean by the Spirit of Him? Paul is referencing, again, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who was at creation, who once God spoke, once the Word was released, as I introduced in the beginning of this message, He then fulfilled the released Word of God. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Him, the Spirit of God was hovering in active state yet fully armed over the face of the waters. What was the Holy Spirit doing in that stagnation state? Waiting for the Word. And once God spoke, let there be, as I said earlier, it happened. Why? Jeremiah 1.12, Scripture says, the Spirit of God speaking through the prophet, I hasten over my Word to perform it. That's why when we pray, if we're just praying by our emotions, then our emotions will touch the heart of God, but they won't always move the hand of God. We need to learn how to pray the Word of God. The Holy Spirit, remember I spoke about that flow of authority, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the church now, we are here to come under the Holy Spirit. But if we're praying... Just, Lord, please, you got to do something. I'm going to lose it all. Now, God understands. But begin to grow up in your faith. Begin to grow up in your understanding of the Bible. Find scriptures that address healing. Find scriptures that address if a child that you have is running from God that prays them back. Find scriptures that promise even when a spouse may be running from God for the Lord to move on that person's life. Find the Word of God. And when you pray, God the Holy Spirit... Here's the word. That's what he responds to. He responds to the word. And when we as a body of Christ, when we release the word of God, then we activate the Holy Spirit just as he was activated at creation. Hallelujah. You see, uncontainable power from on high is what is released 
when we come into this understanding and then this personal encounter with God the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1.8. We see it there. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, look at the person next to you and say, he's talking about you. And who's speaking in this verse? Jesus. So he's talking about you. Yes, he was addressing his followers. But this same promise is for all of us. This is for you. He says, and you, you shall receive power, for, uh, power when the Holy Spirit, I want to speak from a different translation, you shall receive power from on high. Here in the New King James says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. To who? To Jesus. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's why this baptism of fire, this empowerment comes. It's because what God is doing in us, He wants to bring to others. Everything Jesus did was never about Himself. In fact, He died to Himself by laying down His life. And by being an available vessel, the Holy Spirit had full control at any given moment. That's what he wants to do through you as well. There will be people that God will bring into your path. It will interrupt your timeline. It will be inconvenient at times. But God wants you to be a part of the miracle. Jesus was always available. Amen. Now, he wasn't omnipresent during his earthly walk. The Holy Spirit was. But Jesus, he lowered himself to a human body. He was confined. He placed himself within human limitation. So he could only be at one place at one time. So how did he know what was happening in another region or another area? He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would anoint him. The Holy Spirit would lead him. The Holy Spirit would tell him words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Do you know Jesus flowed in every gift of the Holy Spirit, even speaking in tongues? Every gift... He's the same one when he commissioned the church, which is still active for all of us today. He says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, there's power in the name. And so when we take and we understand our calling and the purpose and the Spirit of God and, and, and his, his anointing that is about first in our own personal space, Jerusalem, then Judea enlarges that personal space from a city to a state, and from Judea to Samaria, from a state to a nation. And then the ends of the earth is that anointing that impacts and touches the world. Everything God does has in, through us has to begin in us, in our personal space, our own world. We become His testimony, His representative, His witness there, and then from there, there's a rippling effect. Hallelujah. So that we can win our world for Jesus Christ. So when you look at all of this, Pentecost was the Spirit of God doing what? Partnering with the Spirit of man. Do you know we're all created as human beings in God's image? Saved or unsaved? Every human being was made in the image of God. That's what Genesis chapter 3, Genesis, I think it's chapter 3, says man was created, or chapter 2, man was created in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our image. That is a conversation, plural, between the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. We know it's deity because whoever God is speaking to is on the same level with him. 
And so when we understand that we're made in the image of God, we're made that way for a purpose. Why? You've heard me teach on this. God wanted family. He wanted to extend that family into humanity. That's why Adam and Eve were given the first breath of life as a human creation. Created in God's image. God would come down, Scripture says, in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve. Fellowship. My wife and I enjoy taking walks together. We talk, we communicate, all the other distractions are removed. It's a wonderful time just to be one-on-one. And that's what God was doing with Adam and Eve in the garden. It was one-on-one time. And so when we understand that we're creating in God's image for a purpose, to have relationship with Him, He's enlarging His family. That's why, have you ever noticed, especially now under the New Covenant and the New Testament, all of the references where, where your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, you hear terms like spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, everything that flows around family. Why is that? Because God considers us His family. That's why we were created, to be family. And that's why God sent His Son. Because when Satan stole his children in the garden and their offspring, it was God's intent to restore what was taken from him. He came to rescue, pay the ransom from the kidnapper, Satan, so that his children, his spiritual offspring, from generation to generation to generation until the church age comes to an end, and one day it will, but then all of those sons and daughters recaptured in relationship with him. My goodness, you know, for Cindy and I, because we lost a daughter, we know we have a purpose on this earth, but when we step into heaven, when our purpose is fulfilled, right after Jesus, the first person I'm looking for is my daughter, Laura. Cindy, too. And Cindy, when she gets there, she'll be looking for me and Laura. She always says, no, you're, I don't want, no, I don't want to be alive after God has received you into his presence. And said, so, well, let's begin a fervent prayer fast of the rapture. Then we can all go together. Amen. I think the rapture sounds wonderful. Praise his name. But that's all about us being reunited with family. What do you think God thinks? We're also called the bride of Christ, family, husband and wife. And, and, and then the marriage feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a wedding reception, celebration. It's all about family. You know, some of you have brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, mothers-in-law, fathers-in-law. You know, through the law and the blood of Jesus, we become God's in-laws. You know, we're grafted in. We're adopted. You know, I think even in, in the natural, when a, a family adopts a son or a daughter, that's a wonderful act of love because that child is chosen. And God adopted us. We were chosen. You know, sometimes people think, well, you have to, you have to love me because, you know, I was born into your family. You know, I'm your blood. There's more intentionality with adoption. We can be intentional to enlarge our family and, and, a, and a, parent, a woman gives birth to a child. But you can't choose the gender, right? You just choose the name. But God, even before we had a name on this earth, he knew who we were and called us by name and adopted us. There's a great future in store for all of you and those of you watching online. That's why we must we must come in relationship and in understanding with the Holy Spirit. We desperately need Him. He sent His Spirit to fill the spirit of man. It was always God's intention to reside within people. It was. 
This is why man was created, as I said, in his image. However, when this plan was interrupted in the garden, Jesus became the answer and the fruition on the cross so the spirit of man now could be filled with the spirit of God. The born-again spirit. Do you know we're all born dead? Sounds like an oxymoron. Let me explain further. We're all born spiritually dead. And that's why it is absolutely necessary for every person, the only way they spiritually can be brought back to life is by confessing Jesus Christ with their mouth and believing in their hearts that He is Lord, committing their lives to Him. And at that moment, we are promised that the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence within our human spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so that spirit dimension that we're born with that's dormant, dead, boarded up, unfit for occupancy, then when we come to know Jesus, He restores us and His Spirit takes up residence. And that's what then prepares us so that we can partner with the Holy Spirit during our lifetime in taking the gospel, being a witness, affecting other lives that desperately need what we just received. The glory of Jesus, He empowers us to make a difference, to allow His Spirit, His anointing, His gifts to flow and rise up through us and change a life forever. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and He says, I pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. They were about to have Jesus removed physically from their lives, but they still needed help. They still needed something supernatural to carry them on in order to fulfill what was required of them. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. We see that every day in our nation and around the world. Truth is very black and white. It's very evident, easy to see. But yet people who don't know the Lord, they're blinded. And something that's very easy and simple becomes difficult and confusing. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. That's, pre, that's pre-Holy Spirit outpouring. He dwells with you, and I love this continuance, and will be in you. Jesus is speaking. The helper he is referencing is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he wants the disciples to know their relationship with the third person of the Godhead was all about to change. They had encountered the Holy Spirit with them, but they never encountered the Holy Spirit like Jesus was encountering him. They were never indwelt. There was never that abiding presence within their spirit because the Holy Spirit couldn't go in there until that dormant dead spirit was revived, brought back to life. It was unfit for occupancy. So that was all about to change. And this change would position them then to do what? Experience the spirit of life. Let's go back to our our text, Romans 8, 11. Paul says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now, that word life in the Greek is the word zoe. 
It's the same word Jesus used when he said, I am the way, he said, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? It's also the same word that was used, I have come to give you life and that you would have it more abundantly. Life, life defined in the Greek as absolute life for your body, your soul, and your spirit. God's not just interested in your spiritual condition, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians that our whole entire body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body, our soul, and our spirit, all three belong to Him, just like the Godhead is three yet one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit. And so God desires every part of His temple to be blessed. That's why when sickness and disease hits, we pray for the sick. God wants to restore the temple He resides within. If a mind is broken by tragedy or, or something happens, and even our, our brave men and women who come back from the battlefield with PTSD, God wants to heal their minds and set them free from that trauma. Why? Because He didn't intend for anyone to be like that. And so when we understand that word life in the Greek, it's life in the absolute sense. God doesn't want us struggling with depression and fear and suicide. He doesn't want our bodies filled with sickness and disease. And He doesn't want anyone going to hell. It's not God's will that any should perish. But all should have eternal life. That's zoe, body, soul, and spirit. Do you know one day when the rapture happens, your body and the bodies of loved ones who have died prior to the rapture, the, the, the dead, the deep, and the earth and all will give up the dead, and they'll be reunited with their spirit, and then those who are alive, it's going to be a physical, bodily rapture. Why? Because the body, the soul, and your spirit, they're all the temple of God. You are a walking temple. And so when we understand the spirit of life, obviously the Holy Spirit is the spirit behind this zoe, this life. But God wants to restore the years the locusts have eaten away. God wants to put a stop to what Satan is trying to do in the lives of others. And that's our mission. We're a voice of hope. But not just kind words. Not just motivating words. But words that are filled with something divine. That when we speak, it's as if God Himself is speaking to those people. And He is through us because of He who resides within us. We underestimate at times our value. We're all, we always think ministry is about a Sunday service or a crusade. Ministry is a lifestyle. Every day when I preach and teach, that's just a small portion of what my ministry really is. I purposely try to make sure I am visible within our community and other areas and always ready to be disrupted because I understand I'm God's man. He owns me. Just as you are God's man, you are God's woman. He owns you. He loves you. He wants to use you. And our heart of gratitude should be so passionate. Lord, what you've done for me, how can I say no to whatever you have for my life? He served us so we could learn to serve. And when God begins to move through us, that, that spirit of life, it transforms people around us. This life, all possible because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, that was the nail in Satan's coffin. You could re-paraphrase it and say, Satan, you're finished. In other words, Jesus fulfilled all of the words of the prophets, all the commands of the law. 
He fulfilled it all so that we could be set free. He was all about us. Had nothing to do with him. If it was about him, he would have never gone up on that cross. It was all about you, all about me, all about us. Thank God. And the day of Pentecost, this was that promise fulfilled. Hallelujah. He brought the spirit of life. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, as we see that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120. Dr. Luke says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, don't you like those suddenly moments? Be ready. Be ready. You never know when God is going to bring a much-welcomed surprise. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit of life baptizing the 120 in that upper room. And when this happened, there were two distinct spiritual phenomenons that took place. Look at John the Baptist. What did he say when people asked him, are, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? In Matthew 3.11, John, he sets the record straight. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two distinct baptisms. The first baptism he's referencing is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is our salvation encounter. When that dead, dormant spirit, that image of God within us, that has been boarded up and deemed uninhabitable, the Holy Spirit comes in when we confess Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart, when we accept that great salvation, and He literally creates a brand new temple. He restores that spirit, and then His Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence. Remember on the day of Pentecost, there were two manifestations, even in the natural, physical manifestations, wind and fire. The born-again experience is the wind. When we come back to life spiritually, then the fire is that second baptism that John the Baptist referenced, and that is a post-salvation encounter with the Holy Spirit that releases God's power and His supernatural gifts, which I will be teaching on beginning next Sunday. Revivalist John Wesley, how many have ever heard of him? He had a brother named Charles Wesley. He was a part and very influential in one of the great awakenings that literally transformed in Europe and also the Americas. And he said this, the founder of the Methodist movement, which is straight far from where he was during his ministry in life, he preached this baptism of fire, calling it provenient or the second blessing. Provenient grace or the second blessing. Look at Acts 2, 3, and 4. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
following the born-again experience, this baptism of fire accompanied by an actual physical evidence that appeared to be like tongues of fire. Now, how would I illustrate that? First, I'm not an illustrator. I'm a writer. But I guess we'll see it all once we're in the presence of God. We'll be able to sit down. And, and we have all of these renditions and portrayals of Scripture, and some of them very inspiring and, and seem to be very biblically accurate. But once we go to be with the Lord, we're gonna, I, I, there'll be no day or night, so we can't say, well, Friday night, Saturday night. But we'll have a time at the movies, and we will wa watch all of the reruns of history and see how God actually did it. Do you want to really see what it was like with the building of Noah's Ark and when the rains came and the parting of the Red Sea? I mean, Cecil B. DeMille's did a pretty good job in parting the Red, Seas, Red Sea in his movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. But we'll actually see how God did it. People debating, well, was it dry ground or was it muddy ground? Well, the Word says it was dry ground. So I take God at His Word. Somebody say amen. amen. When we start doubting even a little bit, then that's going to affect every area of our life. And so here... They were like, and they appeared to be like tongues of fire and rested upon them. And this was a physical manifestation when they began to speak in tongues. That was the sign that they had received this fire, this blessing from heaven. Amen? They all spoke as the Spirit enabled them. The physical evidence of this second blessing. Now people say, well, if you receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again, what's this baptism of fire? Salvation is receiving the Holy Spirit. And then the second work of grace, this baptism of fire, is releasing the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? Have you ever had a can or a bottle of seltzer? You drop it. Then you know, don't open that can right now. Why? Because it's been shaken. And if you open it after it's been shaken through a strike to the floor, or even sometimes my grandchildren will come around and go, here, open this, Pop. I don't think so. But the Bible says God will shake everything that can be shaken. And so God wants what He has instilled and placed within us, the third person of the Holy Spirit Himself, to have freedom to come out. So many people don't want to move out of their comfort zone. So God shakes us. And so in order for us to be effective to where we not only share a message with others, but then God anoints us as we share this message, and maybe something spectacular happens that pricks the heart of a person we're ministering to, there has to be this release of the Holy Spirit. If He's not released, it becomes like a spiritual pond. And you know what happens to a pond because it's stagnant water. It goes stale and begins to collect algae and other pollutants. And so God doesn't want us as believers just to be a container of the Spirit. But He also wants His Spirit to flow out of us and impact the lives of others and right the wrongs that are happening that Satan has intended for evil. And then we can become an instrument of God that uses it for good. What the enemy intends for evil, God will use and work for good. The right word at the right moment. The right prayer. Believing in someone that no one else believes in. And then all of a sudden they rise up to become a great man or woman of God. That's the Word of God. Jesus, when He met the man at the Gadarene tombs, that was a man who was a throwaway, an unacceptable, you know, from all of society and the religious circles. 
They had placed him a great distance away from the city. But Jesus knew where he was, heard his cries, went to him, and he not only shared life, but he released the anointing, the baptism of fire. Over this man, he was set free, then clothed in his right mind, and went on, according to scholars and historians, to become a great church planner in that entire region. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, stay here and make a difference. Why? Because people knew what he was, and now they saw who he had become. All because of Jesus. And people were hungry for results. Like I mentioned earlier about that school with the satanic club. Because churches, and I mean Christians, we have lost the fire. We've allowed it to become an ember. And churches become a social gathering, which that's important. We need to build relationship. But if that's all it is, well, the world's got many organizations like that. Go join the Chamber of Commerce. Go join the PTA. There are many organizations, civic organizations, we can become a part of. But we are here not for what we get out of it, but what we can give to the Lord's vision. Amen? Hallelujah. That wasn't in my notes, by the way. Jesus never intended for Christians to live without power. Never. In fact, let me get even more personal. He never intended for us to live without His power. He wants us to have what He has. The great revivals that have changed everything is when people took their faith to the streets. They were laying hands on people at work, wherever. Wherever you go, it's holy. You're the temple. That tells me that Jesus hasn't changed. The world wants things to change according to the Bible. They want to rewrite Scripture to fit their lifestyles, to fit their personal beliefs. We don't need to be rewriting the Word of God. There are some people who are afraid of the Holy Spirit and much to do with maybe an encounter they had where the Holy Spirit was possibly misrepresented by someone. Not completely accurate doctrine, a misrepresentation of the gifts, bringing attention to the person more than to God. People then stereotype and they have a position, and then they back away, and sin, Satan just claps his hands. He says, great, it worked. Just because we may have seen something that was not biblically accurate doesn't mean we abandon the third person of the Godhead. And that's what many have done, and that's why Francis Chan, as I mentioned earlier, wrote his book, The Forgotten God. He's been forgotten. Even his ways the Word of God, proper protocol, order, ministering, flowing. God wants His church, which is His people, to have power. You see, He's the same. He hasn't changed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. His purpose is the same. How many believe that? His message hasn't changed. It's the same. And His power as well is the same. And we are all called to do the same. Do what Jesus did. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he's speaking to his disciples. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Don't settle for less when God says you can have more. Do you hear me? Don't settle for less. I say, well... So-and-so is more called than I am. We're all called 
Just fulfill your calling. Many are called. Fulfill your calling. His power is available for all believers. And in closing, conclusion, I want you to know there is a baptism of fire waiting for all of us. It begins at salvation. When we open our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes in then and takes residence within us. And then we go from the first encounter to the second encounter with Him. The baptism of fire. Anointing from on high. How many are ready to make a difference? How many of you want God to make a difference within your life? God has not written you off. He's not forgotten about you. He even knew all of your mistakes before you even were born. He knew what you would do and what you wouldn't do. Yet He still called you to salvation. Think about that. Some people would say, oh, that was a waste of salvation. God doesn't waste salvation. We only know what we've achieved thus far in our lives. But God already sees the closing chapter. And in the closing chapter, He sees a man or a woman of great faith living for the honor and glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's your life. He has not written you off by any means. That your failures become teaching moments and like Peter rise up and this man became a pillar of the early Christian church our lives can do the same the fire he has for us it's uncontainable uncontainable how many have won that uncontainable fire now let's all stand right now I'm going to open these altars up in a moment. We also have altar workers that will be assisting me and Cindy. First, I just want to make sure everybody has their temple restored. And if you can't really remember making an honest, heartfelt commitment to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you gave your life to Jesus, you were born again. And by the way, Jesus is the one who coined the phrase, born again. There are some people that feel like, I don't like that word, it's evangelical. Well, then you don't like what Jesus said. If it's in the word, I like it. Amen? And so we need to be brought back to life spiritually. We're born spiritually dead. And after I pray that prayer of salvation, then we're going to open these altars for people to come. If you've never received that baptism of fire with the evidence of your personal prayer language, we want to pray for you. And then there's some of you, maybe you just feel like, well, I've encountered that baptism of fire, but I feel like my embers have grown cold. And I just feel distant. I need the Holy Spirit to fan into flame those embers so that I'm a full blaze once again. So we want to pray for you. And you need Him. Don't be like many who embrace the Father and the Son and write off the Holy Spirit. We will continue to fail and falter if we just operate in two parts of the Trinity. We need the three yet one. Somebody say, amen. So everybody, lift your hands towards heaven. Amen. I'm going to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. I want everyone to pray it in encouragement for some of those that might be praying this prayer for the first time. So right now, everyone, repeat after me. Those of you watching online, do the same. Heavenly Father, 
I know I'm a sinner. I need help. I want to change. I want to be free. So right now, I confess with my mouth. I believe with my whole heart that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. I renounce the devil and his kingdom. From this this day forward, I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. My sins are forgiven. I'm born again. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Amen. Now give God praise. Give Him praise. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.